0: Listener
1: Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilley and Katrina Blowers with you.
2: Yeah, so today we're talking about the miraculous novids. These are the people who've never had COVID. Three years into the pandemic, and many of us have had it a couple of times. Uh, I have. Mm. But it's estimated one in 10 people have managed to dodge this virus completely.
0: I've been to lunch with people that have covid I work in an office with hundreds of people. I get public transport. So far, so good.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting group of people. So interesting that there's an international study underway to find out what's so special about them, the Novids.
0: It kind of feels like a humble brag. Like, (laughs)
2: do I have, like, this incredible immune system? (laughs) So is it genetics or is it just luck and what can we learn from studying these people that could help the rest of us? That's in the second half of this episode.
1: First, today's headlines, it is Monday the 6th of March.
2: New polling out on the government's changes to superannuation show two thirds of people polled support the changes. So this is the Labor government's plan to double the tax rate on super accounts over three million dollars. And support for Labor and Anthony Albanese has come down slightly, but they're still way ahead of the Coalition at fifty four to forty six percent. And the PM's rating is still way ahead of Peter Dutton's, which is fifty four to twenty eight. I've got to say. I'm not surprised that most people polled, and who knows what the sample, you know, the demographic was of the people polled was. But still, I'm not surprised that they support these tax changes.
1: Yeah, well, they only affect 80,000 people, and 80,000 are the most wealthy Australians, people with more than $3 million in super. The handling of it politically was a little bit messy. Uh, It played out over the space of about a week before we found out what the exact policy was. And technically, it was a broken election promise, which might be why Anthony Albanese is losing a little bit of bark. And Donald Trump is on the campaign trail giving a keynote speech at America's Conservative Political Action Conference.
2: I will implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods and gain total independence from China. We have to do it.
1: Yeah, so this conference gathers the supporters from the right-wing end of politics in America, and this year there were still plenty of MAGA supporters there, but their numbers were down on previous years. I don't enjoy hearing Donald Trump's lies <laughs> again, mm. Katrina. Um, it makes you, of course, wonder whether America will go down that post-truth divisive path again. I personally don't think they will. Um, Ron Santos is already standing out as a contender for the Republican Party nomination next year. So um, I think things will be different this time, but it does really have echoes of the past.
2: Yeah, it does. I think, you know, you're right. We're in a completely different time now with with different priorities. But when Donald Trump said over the weekend, together, we created a miracle and we still need to finish the miracle Mm. that we started and got a huge cheer. I did get a few shivers down my spine but ron de santos is looking looking good so you know he's he's a different energy a different vibe um yeah it, it might be a completely different time time will tell
1: and fifty thousand people have walked across the sydney harbour bridge to mark the end of world pride it's good to march against homophobia there's too much of that around i'm happy to march in solidarity with my friends Yeah, so the big rainbow-coloured march marked the end of World Pride, where half a million people attended 300 events over the last two and a half weeks. So Sydney was well and truly alive.
2: And go the mighty Dolphins. So this is Queensland's newest NRL team. They're from Moreton Bay. Uh, They've begun their first ever season with a bang, beating the Roosters 28 to 18.
1: Proud of everything they did. It was a tough game of footy and they competed from go
3: to work.
2: That's Dolphins coach Wayne Bennett there. He's so understated mm. in every media interview he ever does. He almost comes across as grumpy. But mm. everyone I know, like all the sports reporters who know him well, they say he is the man. He's just the coach of coaches. And the way that he can fire up and inspire young players is second to none. And you know what? There's a stand documentary coming out about the Dolphins. I think it comes out today. And I, I'm not even a huge NRL fan, but I'm super be keen to watch it and watch all the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are watching the Dolphins, wondering whether they should get on the bandwagon or not. You know, supporting a brand <laughs> new team can be, um, you know, a, a risky move. Yeah. But um, I reckon, you know, after that win, a lot of people might be sort of pretending that they got on the bandwagon already.
2: <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. yes. Ages ago. Always <laughs> believed in them.
1: Um, other big sporting news, um, the champion runner, Peter Bowl. Has spoken out for the first time since being cleared of a doping charge. Um, he did an interview last night on Channel Seven Spotlight program. Must be a mistake. I'm not sure whether it's a test or what's going on, but
2: I've never used it, and I know my innocence and um, and the truth will come out eventually.
1: Yeah. So he said that the positive test in January, which was later disregarded by a second negative test, was leaked to damage him. And it may have cost him the Young Australian of the Year Award.
2: I feel sad for him because, you know, if if genuinely he did nothing wrong and he's admitted this, he he says, look, the mud will probably stick forever and this shadow will follow him mm. around forever. I think it's sad if if genuinely he did nothing wrong.
1: Yeah. Well, definitely the results shouldn't become public until you get that yeah. second test. So for the results to come out after the first test was seemingly um, very unnecessarily hurtful and damaging to him. So I think it's really important that that is being investigated to find out why and how that happened.
2: And Chris Rock has broken his silence to slam Will Smith over the infamous Oscar slap almost a year ago. This was part of his new Netflix stand-up special called Selective Outrage. Now, Rock says the slap was, in fact, Smith lashing out over his own marriage problems.
3: That really knows, knows I had nothing to do with Dash. I didn't have any entanglements.
2: Oh, so, Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, has said she had an entanglement with another man while they were separated.
1: She hurt him way more than he hurt me,
2: okay? <laughs> I reckon this was Rocketdy's absolute best. He's been pretty classy about staying silent mm. up until now. And you can't overlook the timing because the Academy Awards this year will be presented next week. So way to open an old wound.
1: Yeah, so the timing is perfect. Um, I think probably given it's a Netflix special, the commercialization of Breaking <laughs> Your Silence was done perfectly and he did not miss. Like that is probably one of the most humiliating things he could have said about Will yeah. Smith, that his wife had cheated on him and that's why he lashed out. That is a strong blow, probably stronger than the slap. <laughs>
2: Oh, I would agree with that. I wonder how Will Smith will handle that. Probably, I think silence is is the best policy there mm, too,
1: and non-violence. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. In a moment, Novids. So this is the briefing. Social media producer Sarah Bolt. She's one of our colleagues, and she's one of the rare people. That's a Novid. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast you work on, The Briefing. Um, (laughs) Firstly, are you sure you haven't had COVID?
0: I mean, I'm not sure. I am one of those people that does a rat with like the remotely scratchiest
1: throat.
0: But as far as I know, I haven't had COVID.
1: You've been rapid testing quite regularly and never had a positive result.
0: Yeah, my partner's a teacher. So we kind of assumed that we were just going to get it really early on and kind of get it over with, he got it. He even came in and gave me a big kiss on the lips and then 10 minutes later tested positive and I obviously screamed. (laughs) Um, I lived with him having COVID. I've been to lunch with people that have COVID. I work in an office with hundreds of people. I get public transport. So far, so good.
2: You must be kind of annoying to everyone around you, especially your partner.
0: It kind of feels like a humble brag. Like, (laughs) do I have like this incredible immune system? But then also it's like, is it just going to get me? Is it just around the corner and it's going to be really, really bad? I don't know.
1: Did you ever have periods where you had the symptoms?
0: Yeah. So I actually had a virus in winter and it was horrific, like, one of the worst respiratory illnesses I've ever had. I rocked up to a respiratory clinic because I felt so unwell and they did a full panel and said I had nothing. So that's like the only thing that I may be caught at, but I, I got all the tests, I got everything done and they were like, it's just an infection. Right. So that's the only time. I was convinced I had COVID mm-hmm. um, and I felt like I was actually worse than when my partner had it. But apparently, it was just one of those viruses
2: so what have you done to protect yourself i want to know the secret sauce here have <laughs> you had all of the vaccinations do you wear your mask all the time like what is it that you do
0: i definitely was very pro vaccine so i definitely got all my shots the moment i was eligible um and i've had the boosters and everything like that but apart from that i just followed the government guidelines so when they said you don't have to wear masks on public transport I stopped. When they said you don't have to wear them in the office, I stopped. I I definitely live like a very full life. Like I go to work, I catch the train, I go to the gym, I go to yoga, I go to restaurants. Like I definitely don't do anything differently. And I've had friends that are very, very careful that have had it three times. So maybe it's just good luck. I don't
1: know. Mm. So, what do you think about the fact that scientists are now studying novids to find out if there's something special going on?
0: I mean, maybe they can give me a call. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think you have superpowers? I mean, are you normally fairly immune to stuff when it's going around?
0: Um, yes. And this again, this feels like a humble brag, but like I'm pretty healthy generally. I'm pretty fit. Like. I look after myself probably more than like the average person mm-hmm. um, trying and eat really well or that sort of stuff. And I do find that when I travel, often my partner or the people I'm traveling with will get really sick and I don't.
2: Sarah, what I would say is that you you echoed something that I've heard so many other people that I know who claim that they haven't had COVID as well. It's almost this double-edged sword of being really happy that you haven't had it, but feeling like a sitting duck, like it's about to get you and it's going to get you bad when it does.
0: Absolutely. And I'm so worried every time I have to get a flight or travel or go to a wedding or have something really big because I'm just feel like this is the week it's going to finally get me.
1: Do you kind of wish you'd had it already in some ways?
0: Sort of. <laughs> I mean, then I know people that have had it multiple times. Mm. So it's not like getting it makes you immune forever. And that's when people say, or oh, maybe you had it and you didn't have symptoms. But that also wouldn't have made you immune forever because you can get it multiple times. I know many people that have had it multiple times, but I'm also not a hugger and I wonder if that's
2: it. So that's Sarah's experience. Let's find out more about the research going on into people like Sarah, who are estimated to be about 10% of the population. There are scientists around the world who've begun researching the genetic makeup of novids, including one research collaboration called the COVID Human Genetic Effort.
1: Yeah, and we'll find out how this knowledge could actually help us in the future for the next pandemic, should one occur. (laughs) within the next 100 years.
2: Professor Adrian Esterman is a NOVID. He's also an epidemiologist from the University of South Australia.
1: Adrian, thanks so much for joining us. Do you think if you're still a NOVID at this point, despite lots of exposure to COVID, that you might
3: never get it? There's a a couple of points there. The first is that many people don't think they've had it, but potentially they have Mm. because up to 40% don't have any symptoms. Therefore, it's very difficult to know whether you've had it or not. But let's just assume that you haven't had it. There's several reasons why that might be the case. The first is you could be plain lucky, basically. The second reason is that you might have a, a genetic profile that mitigates against being infected. We know, for example, that uh, some people have got um, a genetic profile that uh, reduces their chance of, of uh, contracting HIV. So, so we know that uh, some people do have this genetic predisposition for resistance against infection. And then you could be just be careful. I'm a nobile, at least I hope I am. Mm. And everywhere I go, I wear a good quality face mask. And I'm just very careful where I go and what I do. doesn't mean I act like a, a nomad, I don't. I still go out to functions, I go to concerts, but I'm always wearing a good quality face mask to protect myself. And of course, most importantly, I'm right up to date with my vaccinations. So is the lead
1: theory that if they have a genetic profile that meant they were less likely to get COVID, that they are also less likely to get other diseases? Or do you think potentially they have a genetic profile that was specifically helpful in not getting COVID in particular?
3: This research is ongoing, but I would imagine that it would be um, a, a genetic profile that prevents you from getting COVID. Because COVID, HIV, et cetera, all have got different routes of entry, different um, receptors that they target on. So I don't think this is a, you know, someone who's an immune person who never gets infections of any, of any type.
2: How confident are you in the figures that you've arrived at, that sort of 10% of the population? I know when somebody says to me, oh, I haven't had COVID yet, I think to myself, hmm, have you not? Or perhaps is it that the rats that you've had have been a little unreliable or that you perhaps have had asymptomatic COVID?
3: Um, the reason I said 10% is that um, the Kirby Institute, which is one of our big medical research institutes, have done something called serology surveys. And what they do is they take um, uh, blood samples from the Red Cross and also blood samples from children who've gone into hospital and they scan them to see if they've got um, any markers that show that they've been infected with COVID-19. And they found about 80% of all adults have been infected in the past. But what we do know is that the actual test they use, that's the reverse transcriptase PCR test to actually detect the COVID-19 Is not 100% accurate itself. In fact, it's got what we call 80% sensitivity. That means that um, if 100 people come along and they're all infected and you do a PCR test on them, it's likely that only 80 of them will come out positive.
1: What we learn from these studies, Adrian, if we, for example, find a a common genetic factor amongst novids, is there something we can do with that information? Can we develop medicines or or any other treatments or or anything that helps us deal with future diseases?
3: Yeah, very much so. And the reason I say that is that what our genes do in our body is is they basically generate proteins. If we know which genes are involved, as a protective factor, we can work out what proteins they produce and then use that information to help us design um, medicines to fight against the, the, the virus. So yes, it would help.
2: So say if you're listening to this right now and you think you've never had COVID, what should you do to determine that once and for all? And how do you get involved in this
3: research? Look, to start off with, you don't know if you've had COVID or not. You know that you haven't had any symptoms, but you might have had it silently. But the point is that let's suppose you haven't had it. And as I said, it's probably about 10% of the population. The good news is that the longer you can stay without getting it, the better. And I say this for a couple of reasons. The first is the best way to avoid long COVID, that is long-term health problems, is not to get COVID in the first place. So clearly you want to avoid getting COVID so you don't get long COVID. We know about 10% of infected people, even those with no symptoms, end up with long-term health problems. The second thing is that we have new antiviral drugs in clinical trials at the moment, should be available this year. We're getting better and better vaccines And so the longer you can avoid having it, the better the chance of you avoiding it because of new vaccines, and the better the chance of you coming out well because of new treatments. So many reasons for not trying to get infected.
1: And how long will these studies into the Novids take to give us meaningful results?
3: Well, they've only just started. I only read about them a few days ago. So I reckon we're probably talking months, if not a year or two away. Hopefully in time for the next pandemic. Oh, well, <laughs> hopefully that won't be sooner than we think because on the horizon now, we've got avian flu. Oh,
1: really? How, how serious a threat is that posing?
3: Look, at the moment, WHO say that it's low risk. But what we've got is we've got this massive avian flu pandemic going around the world, wiping out millions of wild birds and domestic fowl. Now, there have only been very few human cases so far and we're keeping a very close watch on humans who might get infected because the one thing that will be bad if it's human-to-human transmission, which we haven't seen yet, and that's really good news because it's got a very high fatality rate. Sorry, we don't want to frighten people. Mm. The fact of the matter is that it hasn't spread into humans with human-to-human transmission yet. As far as we're aware, all of the humans have been infected have had direct contact with infected birds. So, no, we don't want to frighten people. All I'm saying is it's one we're just keeping a watch out on.
1: That was Professor Adrian Esterman. Yeah, really interesting to know that if we understand the genetic profile of novids, we can create medicine... To help us all.
2: I love this idea. Um, but I also love how we were chatting, Tom, about how each of us would feel. Neither of us is a Novid, by the way. And I found it really interesting. I think it's almost like the difference between men and women that you said you'd feel amazing and invincible. And I said, <laughs> I would feel incredibly anxious.
1: <laughs> Why? Because you're, you're worried about getting it and then getting it really bad.
2: Yeah, for sure. Whereas I love how you would see it as some kind of like personal flex.
1: (laughs) Superpower. Tomorrow on The Briefing, the chaos with soft plastics. If you've been taking your soft plastics to your supermarket, this will be a very frustrating story.
0: Listener.